He is the preeminent figure in the sprint division. Dreyfong absolutely crushes his competition in the forego. And while his trainer has a deep pedigree in the sport, his owner does not. We'll chat with Drefong's owner, Susan Chu, on this show. Speaking of someone with a modest pedigree, until this month, trainer Tim Glyshaw had won a total of one graded stakes race. But what an October Glyshaw has had, and it has the Indiana-based trainer headed to Del Mar. These stories and more are straight ahead here on In the Gate. They're in the gate. They're in the gate. In the gate. They're in the gate. It's a head-bobbing finish! This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone that you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN ESPN app. Did you have that classmate in school who always seemed to do well at anything first time out? You know, the kid who could at least get a B, if not an A, without even studying, play a reasonably good game of tennis or basketball without really taking lessons? Didn't you just hate that kid? Now, obviously, in horse racing, success is not just about one person's or one horse's talent or how much money an owner invests. California Chrome cost just $10,000. He won two legs of the Triple Crown and the Dubai World Cup. The Green Monkey cost $16 million. He didn't win anything. So, when Susan and Charles Chu got involved in horse racing in 2012, it was not a given that their first horse, Super 99, would win the Southwest Stakes at Oaklawn and finish third in the Santa Anita Derby. It was not a given that their next horse, Cheetu, would win two stakes races and make it to the Kentucky Derby, where he finished ninth. And the Chews followed all of that with one of the dominant sprinters of this era. Drapong off the turn with a length and a half lead. Tail of Saval is second. Coming up the rail is Awesome Slew with a late run. Mind your biscuits did not go on today. Drapong is running away. Drapong, this champion sprinter, he won it by four lengths. In addition to Drafong and the horses we've mentioned, Susan Chu has also campaigned graded stakes winners Fapian and Lord Simba. Let me reiterate, the Chews entered the racing world just five years ago. And just a few days from now, just before the Breeders' Cup, Susan and Charles Chu will be presented with the 2017 New Owner of the Year Award by the Fasic Tipton Thoroughbred Auction House. They have two horses running in the World Championship, Drafong and juvenile Phillies contender Alluring Star. And we welcome for the first time to win the gate Susan Chu. Let's start with the defending Breeders' Cup sprint champion, Drafong. He blew away a pretty salty field in the forego at Saratoga on Labor Day weekend, including Mind Your Biscuits, who many experts thought was the sprint division leader. Before that race happened, how well did you think he would do? I always very, very confident my boy. And even we know, for some reason, he has a little accident incident happened uh, in the Santa Anita. No set for the Bing Crosby. And away they go. On the inside, Dre Fong broke away. Oh, Dre Fong just unseated the rider. 
Dray Fong took a left-hand turn at the chute. He wanted to take a left-hand turn back to the barn, and he's dropped rider Mike Smith. Dray Fong is riderless. After that, we knew Dray Fong um, was very sound and very happy. But we know things just happen. You just don't know why. But but after the race, you you can see. Even he lose the rider, but he still tries so hard to try to winning the race without rider. So <laughs> that make everybody very exciting, including Bob. We knew this horse is the best, and then we knew he's so smart. And then for me, I know he is going to run even more outstanding race for next one, which is the Fargo. So. I don't really worry anything, and then I knew he will be do the super job in the Fargo. Even he has to fly to the Saratoga in the East Coast. But uh, I just so so confident on him. And then the one thing I I have to show you something very special. Drevon really knows our family. He's so smart. He just like a. Like my kids, he knows mommy and daddy there. When he came out to the paddock, and you know, in the far, far away, he looked at us. I tried to call his name, but Charlie said, "No, no, no, be quiet. Just make Drayvon realize." But I just, I just wanted to call Drayvon. Usually, <laughs> I did. And then Charlie said, "No, no, be quiet, because everybody's still kind of go. Oh, this today is the big day for Drayvon. He got it to show us. He got it to show everybody something. So, actually, I did not call his name. But in the far, far way, when he came in from the the like a paddock, and he just like a, put his ear up, very top up, and look, you can see." He kind of like a very attention, see something. He passed to us in the paddock, and then when he kind of like a passes, his eye opens so wide and look at me. I think he knows this is Mama, this is Mommy there. <laughs> you know, I can tell. I totally feel even I don't talk with him, and he not talk with me. But I feel that's a so strong feeling. He look at me and very very focused, open the big eyes, and he said, "Mommy, you here?" So I know he knows we are there. We are going to see his outstanding race. He will never let us down. So that is the feeling I build up with my boy always. I read that you've had a lifelong love, mainly of hunter jumper type horses. How did you yes. develop that? Yes. Where'd that come from? I think that is since a long time ago when we were in Taiwan before we relocated to USA. My son and my daughter, and they both really love to try horse riding in Taiwan, and、mm. that is so difficult because Taiwan is a so small island. They don't really popular have this kind of the sport as like a USA. So I have to send Vicky Leo to the mountain to the so far away from the city, and then but the kids so enjoy riding since from them that I think、um, that's twenty twenty years ago. So since from then the kids are keeping riding, and then when like、uh, I decide to move my family from Taiwan to USA. 
And when Vicky and Leo was like a kindergarten, first grade age here, they starting to keep doing writing. And then I always so enjoy to watch them writing um, when they were in a very young age. So suddenly, I think when they grew up to the, you know, um, high school and the college, they still writing. And then I say, I'm going to writing with them together. And then at that time, I also have uh, my little guy, Jerry, join with me. So we've been writing for so long. And then we do have our own jumper and then kids compete. They, they do competition and the mommy do competition. So so all together, we everybody do the jumping competition. We so enjoy this sport. So how did you move over to thoroughbred racing? And that was like five, six years ago. Uh, one day, since my daughter, Vicky, she got an intern job in the Louisville in, in Kentucky. And then, you know, Kentucky Derby there. I don't really know that race. And then Vicky called me, say, Mommy, you, you have to come. And then in Louisville, they have a biggest race called Kentucky Derby. I said, yeah, I heard that. And she said, you have to come. And then we go watch that. I say, sure. I, I, don't, I don't really have any, like, a, kind of a very strong information about what is Kentucky. I just hear that. So I decided to take a Charlie and make a Charlie the schedule fly back from Asia and we went to the Kentucky Derby the first time. Inside the final furlong and it is Bodie Meister and Mike Smith out in front. I'll have another and Mario Gutierrez now come alongside. Dillahan still has a chance and then creative calls. I'll have another, takes the lead in the Derby and up the line. I'll have another, wins the Derby. It was I'll have another. And then the, the racing day, we really know nothing. And we just, wow, a lot, a lot of people. Very, very interesting. Everybody have a beautiful head, which woman. And then, <laughs> so, and then I enjoy saying, you got to buy a hat. You, you cannot be the stranger. I said, sure, sure, sure. So I went to the store to grab a beautiful hat. And then with everybody so exciting. And then the racing starting, and then, wow, that's amazing. And then we don't even know who wins. So <laughs> everybody's so, wow, yelling and, you know, so crowd. And then the day, suddenly, I, I have to tell you the truth. My my husband, he tried to, I, I got it to bid. I, I have to enjoy this sport. I say, sure, sure, sure. So Charlie put the money, and because, you know, we don't know anything. We just like a... Okay, we probably Charlie just okay. I pick. I will have another. So <laughs> Charlie won. Nice. That, that's unbelievable. You know when Charlie went to the, you know cashier and then they put the money. They I don't even know how much money Charlie bid. They pay back the money and then the money just like oh my goodness! Everybody took a picture. Say hi. Uh, sir, can I take the picture? <laughs> because Charlie really <laughs> too much money. <laughs> I have so much money because I'd be honest, I will have another, another, another heavy favor horse, you know. So after the race, and we're so enjoying the dinner, we're talking, and then I asked Charlie, I say, do you like horse racing? And then Charlie said, yeah. And then I say, what about let me doing some horse racing? And then Charlie said, yeah, that's good. So it seems Charlie always busy in Asia. 
and then most of time stay here with the kids. So I say, no problem. Let me do it. He said, okay. So I get a Charlie the permission to support me. So I decide to starting to try to do the horse business, raising the business. Susan Chu, owner of defending Breeders' Cup Sprint Champion Drifong, joining us here on In the Gate. Now, you mentioned your husband's yeah. main job, a company that manufactures GPS navigation systems, is in Hong Kong. How much of the year are you separated since you live here in the United States? I relocated here uh, 17 years ago, and then we actually separate things from them. Charlie has to spend most of his time in Asia, and now he most of become like a consultant to helping other countries for build up the Chani manufacturer. And then, especially he is a designer, he invests a lot of product, Electronic product, high technology product. So most of his time have to stay in Asia, in Hong Kong, in China, in Taiwan. So I moved to United States, I think 17 years long. How often is he here? Um, at the beginning, Charlie probably come back um, probably once a month or once two months. And then about a week, uh, just because uh, he, of course, he needs to see kids, he missing us. And then things are, since when I started to running the horse business, oh, Charlie come much more often than before. So, so that's very, very good thing. We bring, we bring the, their daddy back and then we bring my husband back more often to be with uh, with us together. So right now, uh, usually if really have a very big race and Charlie come back could be every once a week or once two weeks and then uh, much, much often than before. That's a lot of time on planes, but I have a feeling he'll be back to see not only Drafong, but your two-year-old filly, Alluring Star. Alluring Star and Ms. Bad Behavior, the two, they are coming to the top of the lane. On the outside, Ms. Bad Behavior, Alluring Star goes with her at the rail. These two now in their own private little match race out here. Alluring Star is battling back on the inside. Ms. Bad Behavior can't find any more, and Alluring Star's got her with 50 to go. Luring Star and Joe Talamo open up by over two in the end. And after that uh, maiden win, she set the pace and held on gamely in the chandelier stakes. How concerned are you, though, that she needs to learn to race from behind other horses? I mean, she's gone to the lead twice in both of her starts. Yes, yes, absolutely. This is the what I have talked I have been talking with Bob. Of course, Bob definitely has the, his best decision, but we both know uh, Lone Star is a very fast horse, and she needs to learn how to a little bit calm down and then take a seat back and a little bit slow down to be able to keep uh, her powerful to be in the turn home. So, yeah, we are working on that right now. What did you think when you found out that your husband and you would be named New Owners of the Year for 2017? Oh, <laughs> how do I feel? We are very, very happy. We're very fortunate. 
Really, we are very happy about this award. Actually, I was so surprised to hear it from my director at the Nevin the day, and then he said we both were select for a new owner award, and I could not believe that because I knew they have over twenty three thousand owner in the two thousand seventeen, even the new owner. I think everyone has so much more experience than us. And then people spend lots and lots of money every year trying to buy a winner and try to be successful in this sport. So maybe I, I, I just so surprised we, we got this award, but um, that, that made me fear. Maybe I, uh, Charlie and I, we did a lot of the same right. And then this is also made me confirm that we have been working with the right people. And then, of course, of course, I, I feel much more confident in continue to move forward for my future goal. Well, we certainly wish you the absolute best of luck in the Breeders' Cup. And thank you so much for a few minutes, Susan Chu. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. <laughs> We're going to take a short break here on In The Gate, but when we come back, a trainer who thought his business might completely dry up due to our herpes virus outbreak bags his first ever grade two and grade one wins in one week's time, and it has him headed to Del Mar for the Breeders' Cup. So don't go away. Welcome back to the In The Gate podcast. If you were with us earlier this year, you may have heard our report about the equine herpes virus outbreak at the fairgrounds in New Orleans. Forty horses tested positive for the virus starting the week before New Year's. Equine herpes is a very serious illness. It can cause respiratory disease, swelling of the brain, encephalitis, paralysis, and death. By mid-January, Those horses already at the fairgrounds who tested negative could start to race again. But until late February, no horses could leave the grounds and no horses could ship into fairgrounds. One of the first barns with a positive test and one of the last barns to be cleared belongs to trainer Tim Glyshaw. The interruption to his business was pretty devastating, as you'll hear in a moment. Tim Glyshaw will never be confused with Todd Pletcher. Pletcher might feel like he's hurting because his most recent grade one winner was always dreaming in the Kentucky Derby. Did you know that Pletcher hasn't won a grade one race since then? Now, Tim Glyshaw has been training since 2004, rotating mainly amongst Louisiana, Indiana, and Kentucky. His is a small operation. He has 26 horses. By comparison, Todd Pletcher started eight on Jockey Club Gold Cup Day alone and won two stakes. He's won over 20 stakes this year so far. Stakes were not really on Tim Glyshaw's radar. Then, after 12 years of training, he finally notched a graded stakes last summer, as Buller's Alley won a grade three at Churchill Downs. Then came this month, October of 2017, one Glyshaw will never, ever forget. Coming to the eighth pole, Buchero is second by three. Mongolian Saturday is in third. And then comes Hoagie fourth on the far outside. Buchero striding forward for the lead. Will have to fend off Mongolian Saturday and Hoagie. Buchero in deep stretch. Fernando de la Cruz. Buchero 20. 
26-1 upset in the Woodford presented by Keeneland Select. That win was a grade two, the first of Glyshaw's career, and it has Buchero headed for, do we dare say it, a grade one, and not just any grade one, the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Buchero will be the first Breeders' Cup starter to ship in from Indiana Grand. There was a second graded stakes win as well this month, which we'll get to a little later. An amazing rise from the ashes for trainer Tim Glyshaw, who's nice enough to join us for a few moments here on In the Gate. What did you first think when you heard about the herpes virus outbreak at fairgrounds and then realized that one of your horses tested positive? Uh, you know, that's very scary because, you know, there's two types of the herpes virus. The, the one type, the neurologic strain, they can die from, which one horse did the first index horse down at the fairgrounds. And then the wild strain, you know, it's fairly common and it can develop into the Believe me, nobody knew. I didn't know all this until I like um, got on the internet, and started you know reading all up up on it. But after you know it happened to us, but it can develop into the the wild strain, but it does not very often. So she the, the filly was fine, and she ended up being fine. And Steve Asmussen claimed her. She actually won a race at Lone Star for five thousand dollars. But yeah, it was it was sort of devastating to us because it did not allow us to run for thirty days, and then. Actually, it was maybe a month later until you, you know, found a race you wanted and the horse was 100% ready. And um, as soon as that happened, uh, uh, we were able to run again, and they claimed about eight horses from us towards the end of the meet. So, you know, we came back to Kentucky with a shell of an operation, and things were uh, not too good. But, you know, we didn't we didn't short the horses at all that we had left, and, and Bullard and Boucher were two of those. You know, they got everything they needed, and we took care of them, did our jobs the way we always do. and you know, it just paid off in the long run. You know, I, I never would have expected this to happen, you know, but I'm very, very glad that it has. Well, we'll get to those horses in a moment, but I mean, you alluded to it. How worried were you about your business? Very, you know, I mean, the, the not running for 30 days hurts. And, and and like I said, it's not really 30 days. It's more like 45 or 60 and find an appropriate race that you're eligible to run in and everything else worked the horse a few times, things like that. We were able to train, but only for an hour a day versus four hours a day when you're not on quarantine. So it was tough to get all the horses out. Some of them had to train every other day, things like that. Get behind on things, on on paying bills and such. But, you know, that's all caught up now. It was caught up before now, before these good days. But uh, just struggled through it and uh, did the best we could. And uh, it was close. I mean, this has been my dream forever. So we weren't going to give up on it easy like that. But, you know, they were pretty tough times. You have a relatively small operation. So when you run horses in big races, who goes with those horses? You know, it's been sort of miscommunicated in in a couple of interviews and, and not by any people trying to be mean or anything. But I always want to be there when I when it's possible for us to run in these stake races, whether it's a stake at Mountaineer or a stake at Woodbine or whatever. And we still have 20 horses back at Churchill. So instead of taking a groom out of our mix, I usually just ride up with the van driver and, and, you know, stay and I groom the horse going into the race. And I've been around long enough now that I know grooms and, and people at all different racetracks. And, and I always just find somebody to run our horse on race day. But, you know, when I first started, uh, I was a hot walker for Bob Holtis, a, a mid, pretty famous Midwest trainer, and I groomed for two years. So, uh, I mean, I can groom a horse just like everybody else. So 
I just do it myself, you know. I mean, it, it just seems like it's the smart thing to do. I know that, that most trainers just fly up with their owners for the race and on a race day and stuff. But, you know, these are pretty big deals to us, and, and I want to make sure that I'm there the days leading into the race. And, and when we fly out for Breeders' Cup, I will fly. We have one of my guys is going on the horse plane. You know, I'll fly out there, but I'm going to be out there the whole time the horses are there. I don't want to, you know, just fly in a couple of days before the race. I want to make sure everything's gone right because I want to be there and want to be responsible for what goes on. Trainer Tim Gleishaw joining us here on In the Gate. He'll send out Buchero in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. How did you feel when you, A, decided to enter Buchero in a grade two, and then, B, saw that he would win the race? Uh, it was a really, really, really a special feeling. I mean, Bruchero has been one of our favorites for a long time. You know, at the end of the day, he probably is a turf sprinter. If he won an Indiana bread, he probably would have been running on turf the whole time. But he's an Indiana bred, so we took advantage of the Indiana bred program. Ran him, you know, six furlongs on the dirt. He's won that stake twice in a row now. Ran him at a mile of 16th, 150,000 up at Indiana. He's won that two years in a row now. He'll miss it this year because he's going to the Breeders' Cup. But, you know, we were pretty confident that he would get his set up in the race. And uh, um, we knew that Greg Foley's horse was going to be fast, and we knew our horse was fast. We could keep up with Foley's horse if we want to, but... Fernando de la Cruz did a very good job of setting him second, even though he was five lengths back. And, and the other horses behind him, the ones we had to beat, never caught up to him. So um, it was just a wonderful feeling. I mean, it was a really, really odd day because uh, oddity of the day was because I graduated from Indiana University. And the, the trophy presenter that day was Dick Enberg from, you know, NBC Sports all those years. And he graduated from IU as well. And it was an Indiana bred that won the race. So it was just a really, really strange, like it was meant to be that day. So now for the rest of the story. We said that the Woodford Stakes was Tim Gleishaw's first grade two win. Well, just a week later, he did one better. Grade one, that is. Bullets Alley's ranged up to hit the front and takes a neck lead on Messi. Oscar nominated Sailing Hope. Top of the home stretch and Bullets Alley first for the judge. Down the center, Oscar nominated. Erupt is making ground. Messi hard at it and trying to get a run is flamboyant. Bullets Alley stole a march on them. Bullets Alley's five in front. Oscar nominated in second. Then Erupt, Idaho making ground and they have inside the final furlong. No hope of catching Bullets Alley. Bullets Alley has just dominated the Patterson Canadian International and waltzes in. Scores by nine lengths. Two graded stakes in eight days. What was that experience like to win your first grade one? Uh, it was absolutely thrilling. One the most exciting day in, in my training career. Just happy for myself, my wife, my owner, both Bouchero's owner, Iron Horse Racing Stables and Wayne Spalding and Farron have been with me for some time. And it's, it's good to see good things happen to your good owners. And, you know, he went there and he ran the race of his life. Got a turf course that he liked. Uh, he prefers a little bit of an off going and, and he's another one that, that I could find reasons in every race this year that he didn't perform the way we thought he would. I'm almost positive in my heart that he was going to run that kind of race in the American St. Ledger up at Arlington at a mile and five-eighths. And at the five-eighths pole, when Ivan Ortiz was getting ready to take the lead, a horse next to him made a right-hand turn right in front of him, and basically the race was over at that point. I think he was going to pass postulation then and, and go on. And I can't you know, predict that he was going to go in by 10, but I think he was going to win the race that day. That was on a firm surface, but... The, the yielding surface uh, or soft up there, it was actually uh, graded 
that just lets him sit closer, more comfortable, um, because the fractions are so slow. And, and we knew he was training great going into the race, and uh, we just couldn't be more happy. You know, uh, going into the race, we just wanted him to run well. And we didn't know if well would be third. We didn't know if well would be fifth. But, you know, no one could be more ecstatic than the owners and myself and, and our barn. And, and then the way he won on mm-hmm. top of it, you know, some might be a little our, of our fault I or my fault. I uh, reminded Eureka that the last time up there in the Stings field that he had hung a little bit and a really nice horse named Adolphus Snow of Malcolm Pierce's that loves that turf course. It's his home track came and caught him. And I said, you know, he has a tendency when he gets the lead to hang a little bit. So, you know, I've read some posts and stuff that they didn't like the way that Eureka kept hitting him. And well, part of that reason is because he just didn't want him to hang. I mean, nobody went out to win the race by what, what he did, you know, um, but, you know, couldn't be happier with all that. And, you know, you can tell in the picture that he just skips across that kind of surface. And uh, some of the rest of the horses seem to get a little bit more bogged down. So, just a thrill. Biggest, biggest moment that I've had since I've trained so far. What are the plans for Bullard's Alley now, twice a graded stakes winner for your operation? Well, we, uh, we decided that we're going to send him out to the Breeders' Cup. You know, we think that he, he runs just, you know, I'm not going to say as good. He prefers soft surface, but on a hard surface, he's given us some good efforts and you know, it's a, it's a once in a lifetime experience. We think he can be competitive in there, and you know, let the chips fall where they may. There were some offers from Hong Kong and Japan, and believe me, I mean, I know what the racing's like over there, and and no one's more honored than than myself to be invited to such races. But we just thought at this time we had pretty much narrowed it down to two races: he would either go to the Breeders' Cup Turf, which is a mile and a half at Del Mar, or we run in the Red Smith at Aqueduct, which is a mile and three eighths, and the owners right said that, you know, you don't know when you're going to have this chance ever again. Uh, they've owned horses for about 12 years now, I think. And, you know, they can go 30 more years and never have this opportunity. So, and, and we're going to go and do it with the same attitude we went in with at Woodbine with uh, Bullard's Alley when he ran up there. You know, we know he's going to go run his best race and hopefully his best race wins the race. We think that, you know, if, if everything goes right, that's a possibility. But if his best race is third or his best race is his fifth or his best race is seventh, you know, as long as he goes out there and tries as hard as he can and, and gets a good trip, and we'll be happy. That shuttle from uh, Indiana Grand to the Breeders' Cup hasn't had any other passengers before, as you know. What do you think it'll be like for you to go to Del Mar and run two horses in the Breeders' Cup? Well, actually, um, Bushero's the only one that's up at Indiana Grand right now. Um, Buller's Alley's at my barn at Churchill Downs, but I did ship Bushero back up to Indiana because his exercise rider that's been on him two years is up there. His, his groom that he's familiar with is up there, and it's basically what it got us there. Um, I just wanted to not change anything and keep everything the same, and that, that exercise rider will be flying out, and he'll be getting on both Bullard's Alley and um, Bushero. And uh, one of the Breeders' Cup vets just came to draw blood on uh, Bullard's Alley, and he said, he had to call the state, one of the state vets up at Indiana. He said that's the first time that, of course, has gone to the Breeders' Cup from Indiana Grand. So even though this eight days has been sort of a whirlwind, you know, I mean, I think that we've we've kept our heads pretty level. And, and we, we love all the horses in the barn all the same. You know, obviously, you know, they get a little bit more attention and, and there's no way they can't. But, you know, 
We won a maiden fame in five race for Wayne Spaulding at Indiana Grand, and we're just happy that he won that race just as well. But it is a little bit odd. You know, uh, first of all, you you were right what you said earlier. We're a smaller stable. Usually keep around between 25 and 30 horses. Uh, we aren't like the mega, mega stables that are out there now. But I always want to be there when my horses run. I think I owe that to my owners. I owe it to the horses. And, uh, you know, it's just been a sort of a crazy ride the last couple uh, couple weeks. Tim Gleishaw would have had a Breeders' Cup starter two years ago, but Tap Town was scratched from the dirt mile on the morning of the race with a foot bruise. Certainly appears that chance will come this year. Thank you so much for a few minutes, sir, and the best of luck at the Breeders' Cup. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Our thanks to Tim Gleishaw and to Susan Chu. We yearn for racing rivalries. They give the sport some spice. But do those rivals each need to have four feet? For the last decade, the best battle's been Coomore and Godolphin. Lately, it's been Godolphin getting beat. You see, Coomore has the best stallions, Montju and Galileo, and before them came the mighty Sadler's Wells. For 12 years, Sheikh Mohammed would not bid on Coomore yearlings. His victories are down, but his thirst to win's not quelled. So the Sheik's apparently done away with his Kumor stallion boycott. He bid on a high-priced one at Tattersall's. You know the saying, if you can't beat him, join him. So he did, though it's not quite taking down the Berlin Wall. I hope the rivalry's not dead, for we know there's one emotion that's stronger than love. No, I don't mean ecstasy. And of course, if they keep at it, they'll start many bidding wars that would benefit the entire industry. You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone that you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you next time.